Hey, everybody, it's a trending Twitter Tuesday here. It's, uh, I don't know what the date is. It's 5.32-ish by the time I get this thing. Uh, 15th, February 15th. And I'm going to take some screenshots, maybe, if I can figure out how to... Uh, but I was thinking, I, I was doing that opening, I thought about Mrs. Otis, or Miss Otis, I don't know. Oh, you know what we could do? I just thought of an idea, because I was thinking about Miss Miss Otis, and I was thinking about uh, my, the neighborhood I grew up in, uh, and they just hit me, and I said, geez, you know, I used to, is a, now, this will be a, dated a little bit for some of you, uh, but I, I delivered newspapers. That was, my, I guess, my first paid job. And it, so I, I was like, huh, I, I think Mrs. Otis got a paper. Miss Otis, they'd probably be sued. Uh, so it's Otis, you know, but but I don't, I guess I can't be sued for, for saying that I delivered a paper maybe to her house. Might cover some other stuff that'll get me sued, believe me. Uh, but yeah, I guess there's no reason to sue me. Um, but so let me try to explain this newspaper thing uh, to people. And actually, because of my uh, kind of general. So once upon a time, just in case there's any young kids listening, uh, there it starts with the Gutenbergs, and then at some point they they invented this thing that could print, make a, a mass publishing or something. You could print stuff. Are you with me so far? No, I can like a printer. At some point they said, "Hey, let's put the news on this paper. We'll put it on some more, less expensive paper." And then every day or a few times a day, that'd be a good way to d- disseminate the news or distribute the news. So they had these things called newspapers. I don't know if it was for hundreds of years or thousands of years, but a long time. And even into recent history, people would get these newspapers to their house. Now, I think now, I don't know, it's been a while since I've gotten a newspaper uh, because uh, we could cover that. That's a whole other ball game, but... Uh, and in the hey, I, I guess I was uh, a young lad. I guess while well, the things were still going well, when I, when I before I was like the pre, I think at some time during my youth we had a morning paper and an afternoon paper. So there was so much news in Syracuse, New York, and so much demand for it. And I think I, I don't know if at the time they were run by owned by the, the if they were all both owned by the same company. Or two different companies when I was real little. Uh, it'd be pretty cool if they were both independent. And I don't know, for some reason I think they were. And then one, then there was a Sunday paper I think that they put out together or a different company. Again, if I get, but, but so there was a morning paper that was the Post Standard. And I think the afternoon paper was the Herald Journal. This is in Syracuse, New York. So two newspapers. Most people just subscribe to one or the other, you know, unless you're a real newser. But you 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 either distributed one paper or the other. You didn't usually distribute both anyway. Uh, but they would get delivered to your home uh, by a newspaper person. It could be an adult. Could be a kid. It was a nice way for kids to make money. Oh, I'm sure, sure, like, uh, it was a way for, for some people made their entire living at it, or they managed the, the paper boys and girls. 
Uh, but a lot of the people that delivered the paper were young, uh, grammar school, late grammar school age kids, uh, and well, let's see. So if you get the news, let me see. Let me, let me see if I can get this newspaper thing explained first. So the newspaper would come to your house and you would read it. And I always associate reading the paper with the morning and drinking coffee. But I guess my dad probably get home from work and read the paper. Uh, I, I can't really picture it in my mind, but I, I think we were afternoon paper family. I think the operation of getting kids, getting to work and getting six kids off to school, it probably didn't leave a lot of time for reading the paper in the morning or drinking coffee or maintaining very much sanity. So probably not. Um, but you would read the paper. The paper would have like the main, the front page would have all the newspapers. There's still newspapers, you know. I'm sure people know, but it had the major breaking news. And before the internet, you know, this is a great point of pride and employment and dissemination and of knowledge and learning about stuff because you couldn't just read articles on the Internet. And, of course, that led to, you know, I don't want to discuss the economics or because, you know, I'm not I'm not that bright and I don't my mind doesn't hold on to that stuff of when. You know, the advertising and the cost of distributing the papers and stuff. And I can tell you, I do miss reading the paper. I probably had a probably good good stretch of, uh, I don't know how many years, where I could get up and I could drink coffee and read the paper. For the most part, cover to cover. It was the San Francisco Chronicles one, which is still around. And for even a while, as, as an adult, San Francisco had a Chronicle and the Examiner, and they think the examiner maybe shut down or was purchased, and then it became a free tabloid paper, like a uh, so. Um, but but uh, the San Francisco Chronicle was the morning paper. I don't know if the examiner was an afternoon paper or not. Uh, but that was something I enjoyed drinking the coffee, reading the articles, and working my way through the paper, and I don't know how long that take. Probably decent for my brain. Probably not for good, because you know usually I'd have some knee-jerky reactions, and I always like to follow like stuff about urban design and and building and pro- building projects, and that was cool. But there was a lot to enjoy about r- reading the paper. So that was a newspaper. Now, so so in Syracuse, New York. We had the two papers, and at some point I was the oldest kid, so I was a lot of experimenting. But my mom was also the oldest, so I'm sure that some of her siblings had a paper route because she grew up in Syracuse, too. And for a lot of kids, this was like a rite of passage, your first job. And I remember the kid that delivered it, our newspaper, I think he was the youngest. I think he had had a couple older siblings, and he was a few years older than me. His name was Mark, Mark M., and he did the paper route, and at some point it was like, who who's going to get Mark's paper route? And I don't know if any money, I don't know how any of the economics worked. That was not my strong suit. Uh, but um, at some point it was like, I, I, it was like, oh, do you want to take over Mark's paper route? Uh, and I said, and, and it seemed like it just kind of happened. I don't think I was like, maybe my friends had started to get in paper out, so I was on it. But I knew, and I know most of my friends did have 
uh, paper delivery jobs. Now, a couple of them had the morning and the afternoon paper route, which would be brutal, especially in the morning one, because you got to get up so early to deliver those papers because people want to wake up and have their paper. And then you got to be ready to go to school. So that was definitely out because I'm, you know, there was no way I was getting up for, for that. It barely, you know how it is with me. Uh, at some point it became... I, I, I got, Mark was like, hey, you could do my paper route. And I think he rode a bike and delivered the paper. I could never get that down. It always went disastrous for me. Well, like you get a bag, you, you like you see newsies. It, was, it wasn't like that except for the bags the kids had that carried the papers in. And I was a kind of a scrawny, tiny kid. Actually, so was Mark ended up, uh, I think he, maybe we were in high school at the same time or maybe... But he was kind of like this smaller kid, and he ended up, he was like the strongest kid at our high school at one point, they said, uh, on the loudspeaker. Uh, I, I remember hearing that, and I said, wow, Mark, that, that's the guy I got the paper out from. I think he could bench press the most. I don't know why they did that over the loudspeaker. Maybe it's my imagination. Uh, but congratulations, if that's true. And he was a real nice guy. So he kind of showed me the ropes. And I guess it was like a little business. Now, no one explained this to me or if they or probably someone tried to, but I just ignored it. So I didn't really understand the economics of the newspaper, like that you're actually running a small business. And this is a little sad because I still don't know. I'm still piecing it together. My parents probably lost a bunch of money at this deal. Uh, so maybe it was just more like to pay to keep me out of the house for a few extra hours. But I'm pretty sure you would buy the papers at a discount from a distributor who was also your boss as a paper boy. So if there's any trouble, the distributor uh, and the distributor was in charge of making sure the papers got out. And if you wanted more money, you needed more. You had a little route, like a little territory. So any of the houses in your territory, you could try to get them to subscribe to the paper. And you probably made a little bit of money and, you know. You know, it's a little business. Like, I probably, what does the paper cost? 50 cents. Maybe I made 10 cents a paper. Maybe I made 5 cents a paper. I don't know. Maybe I made a day. Yeah, probably something like that. You know, 5 cents a day. I don't know. But you delivered it every day. Uh, And the nice thing about the afternoon paper was then you got the Sunday paper. That was where the big money was at because some people would just get the Sunday paper only for the coupons and the comics. Um, let me think. So, uh, I'm trying to think. So I'm trying to think what other details you would need. So I had my bag for my normal thing. I think I would get home from school. I don't know if I would even go home first, but actually right by my bus stop was a stack of where the, the distributor would drop off a bundle of papers. And those would be my paper bundles. And actually, the, uh, Bo was, uh, for for a time, my best friend. I think his papers also got dropped off there. He had a, a route that bumped up against mine. Pretty sure my friends Pat and Kyle both had paper routes. Uh, I think Kyle had a morning and the afternoon. Maybe Pat had a morning paper route, too. Oh, gee, it makes me shudder to think doing the morning paper out. So every once in a while you would help your friends out on their paper out if you were hanging out with them after school or something, which which wasn't really fun, but it wasn't terrible. Uh, and you didn't really have a choice. Believe me, I'm pro- I probably, 
I don't know how many times my mom or I had to deliver my newspapers, but, you know, 100 times too many. And let me just say a few things other, you know, if there was, you know, worst paper boys ever, I would definitely be, you know, let's let's not beat around the bush. I'd be on there. And I remember there was, a, like, because I didn't understand the business side. Uh, there was this time we had the paper delivery party. And I think they demeaningly called it paper boys, but it, at this time it was paper men and women. I mean, adults and kids. Uh, so boys, girls, and men and women. I remember at the the paper part, the paper delivery party, paper courier. I forget. There is actually a term for it, paper courier. Probably not. I'll think of it. But uh, like they gave out all these awards, and I was like, "Well, where the hell's my award?" And now looking back, I say, "Oh, well, it was probably for people that got new customers. Like it was for people setting records for industry. You know, making more money for the distributor, distributing more papers." Uh, you know, getting, get, expanding the reach, where for me, I, I just, I probably knew I was narrowing the reach. I, I think I did cause more than one cancellation. So, uh, so I'd go to the corner, and I would get my bundle of papers, and I would put them in my paper bag. I don't know. I think you would just fold them. I don't think we used rubber bands or plastic bags unless it was rain. And, and in the case of rain, I don't I don't know. I kind of, you know, those memories dissolved. Uh, but I'm pretty sure you would just fold the paper. And sometimes you might fold it as you were delivering it. Maybe you just put them flat in your bag. But as I said, I was a bit weak. So carrying a whole load of papers, like I was a little tiny kid. Uh, so I, I can't, I, I can remember not enjoying that part of it. And I didn't know if you think I had a very big route. Now my route was very hilly. I know, I guess I shouldn't say that. My, my route involved two very steep hills. It did. And of course this was across the upstate New York year. So it went from the terrible heat and sweating and things and the cold is the deepest cold of winter. Uh, so that should explain why I blacked out most of it. But so you'd put them in your bag and you'd start on your route. Ideally, you know, after a while you had your route memorized. And then you had a few people uh, that wanted a little extra service. They wanted, like, very specific things. And that would be how my route would start. So here I am at the bus stop, the same bus stop where I actually caught, you know, where I got into a lot of other trouble because I didn't realize the person that lived on the, corner where the bus stop was was a spy for my mom until uh, just a few years ago it came up and my mom was telling me that that was her spy and how she knew everything that I was doing at the bus stop which I said wow everything like that was in the stuff I did because there was this big bush a giant it actually was a hedge it was like a giant rectangular uh, collection of bushes you could climb in there I was—I mean, I was a bad kid. Let's just say that uh, I didn't even know what I did in the bush. But if I wasn't making my, you know, my siblings' life or the bus driver or car, you know, I, I made that trouble for everybody. I was like Dennis Menace without the char- charisma. So, where was I? So, so I'd pick up the papers. I'd first head up uh, straight up the, this giant hill, Westwood Road. So I would get off City Bus 4. That was my bus, City Bus 4. And I would get off City Bus 4. 
And then I would go up Westwood Road, and that was the road I lived on at the top of Westwood Road. And Westwood Road could be unpassable, impassable, unscalable in the winter by cars. And it was not the kind of hill you wanted to walk up at the end of the school day or have a paper out on. But so I'd head up Westwood Road, and then I think I would start out, I think a lot of my customers were on the right side. I didn't do too well on the left side of Westwood Road, now I'm thinking about it. I think the house on the left corner probably changed hands twice. I don't know if they were a customer, but one of my first customers on the right, I think, and I'm not trying to throw anybody in the bus here, but I think they were a high-maintenance customer, and they wanted the paper placed in between their uh, storm screen door and their front door, uh, perfectly in there, in a bag if it was raining. It had to be in the door, not stuck in the door. And then I think I had to knock like a certain number of times after I had to put the paper in there. And, you know, I'm a bad person, so I didn't like that. I didn't like receiving orders like that, even though it's perfectly reasonable to want all those things. So I think, you know, every once in a while I would do tests to see if they were, and they were paying attention. They said, well, geez, I pay for this paper. Uh, why can't you just deliver Why Why do you have to test out uh, stuff? And I said, well, that's it. just, um, I'm a curious child. I just need, I don't know what's wrong with me, to be honest. So, but they, I think they stayed a customer. That was the thing about the newspaper was it was, the you know, I guess you could go to the morning paper, but if you liked the paper, you were, uh, you were stuck with your paper delivery person. So that was my first stop. Then the next, let's see, there's a couple houses there. So there's that house. I see. I can almost see it as a white, uh, I guess, a one-story, small. It wasn't a ranch house, but it, I guess it was because it was a one-story. I never, I never went, I think I only went into the like, lobby of that house. I don't know if they tipped. I, I don't. I don't think I was big on. You know, that was how you made your money as a paper delivery kid. But I, you know, I wasn't big on. You know, I wasn't winning do, do, doing the extra service to get the tips. You know, I was more worried about building resentment, lifetime of resentments. So in that sense, I guess I won. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but so there was a couple houses there in a row. I don't know. I wish I, you know, I guess this is the 99% invisible, so I couldn't tell you the style of the house. Uh, but I could tell you there was a couple houses and then the, the hill, like on the flat of the hill. And then the hill started to curve its uh, upward house. And then the house before Miss Otis's house. Uh, it was one of my, now this is one of the great houses, uh, in my opinion, that I never, I don't know if they were a customer. I think that house changed uh, ownership like maybe three times as a kid. But it was a tan brick house, and it was kind of offset off the road. It was on a little bit of a hill, so it had a driveway and then stairs to get to the front of the house. And it had this big picture window in front and then another window above their garage, you know, where the second floor was. I guess the garage would have been in the basement. And I don't know if it was a one- or two-story house. I think it may have been. I'm not sure. And I think for a while it was an older couple and they were a customer. But it's this tan 
orangish brick house, I think. You know, in my mind it is. Now, the piece of resistance of this house was not a house, just a house, but if you, well, boy. Okay, okay kids, definitely get off this podcast because uh, I just realized some things. Uh, so no kids from here on out. Okay, yeah, so personal story alert, unfortunately. I guess I can't avoid it. But so a couple of things about this house. A lot of things I liked about it. I like the look of the house. Now, between Mrs. Otis's house and this house, so if we're facing this house, we'll talk, call it Tanbrick Central. Uh, so if you're facing Tanbrick Central to your left, uh, 90 degrees straight up would be Westwood Road. But if you were to go halfway down their driveway, you'd see kind of these a terraced hill, grassy hill, with uh, a row of pine trees headed towards the side of their house. Very tall pine trees. Uh, low, like the ranches went low to the ground, so you could hide out under there, hang out, uh, or sit around or take a break on the walk up the hill from school. And so they were on this little terraced hillside. Uh, I think it was just like one roll flat, two rolls flat, three rolls flat with the pine trees. And if you followed after the pine trees, it would go along the side of Tanbrick Central House, which, of course, as an explorer, so I would have, you know, I've gone down, I had gone down there. Private property didn't really mean a whole lot to me, I guess. And if you went down the side of the house, you would learn that their backyard, they had this huge backyard, I mean huge, like a football field, which was kind of out of place, uh, I don't know, it's just strange, and and I don't think I discovered it till like, fourth or fifth grade, me and my friends, so we would play football back there when we were little. Uh, I got into a phase of hitting golf balls at, at the houses, at the people's house from their own yard, and I'm not proud of that either. I, don't, I never, I don't think I hit, I, I did hit the house a few times, I don't think I broke any windows. I don't know what I was thinking either. He said, hey, let's go down there and hit some golf balls. I don't play golf. But, um, man. But they had this huge backyard. I mean, it was at least 300 yards. And then it went into these woods uh, that are back there. And I think the first owners of the house, they didn't really mind us violating their private property. So every once in a while, I guess maybe we won't. I don't know how much of this paper out we're going to get, get through. Because these woods were a place of adventure for me. And, oh boy, so we would go to, if I could talk to my brother and sister, I'd say, well, let's leave our book bags in the, under the pine trees and let's head back down this, back, down, and I don't know, I never knew, I don't know if I ever knew the name of the people that own the house. I'm sure my parents did. Uh, so maybe that means they weren't a newspaper subscriber. Uh, but we would head down the, the side of their house and into the woods because that was a good spot to get into the woods. Now, Miss Otis that lived next door, she also had a, her backyard wasn't quite as massive, but these people paid to have their lawn uh, groomed, even though I don't know if they, maybe they had some adult children. I don't know if they ever had children. But, I mean, you could have had a wedding back there. That's how big this yard was. No other yard like this anywhere around where I live. I mean, it's probably pretty uneven, but they had it mowed or mowed it themselves, so it wasn't overgrown. Now, Miss Otis, she had that, like, clumpy grass. Like, her, her backyard was barely passable, and the woods was creeping in, where this one you had to go all the way back to the back of their yard. 
to get to the woods. And my house didn't have wood at woods access. So this was like, this was the best spot to get into the woods. You know, you didn't have to climb through. Because uh, if you went through my yard, you'd have to go through another neighbor's yard that was full of pricker bushes. Like they, their entire yard was 10 feet high pricker bushes. So we'd have to blaze a path and then keep the path. And then the neighbors would get mad about that. And then you'd have to go through the, the, the brambles and pricker bushes. Then you'd go through Miss Otis's backyard and she would call and tell on you. So you had to go through her far backyard without getting seen by her, which is she, I think she had like 40 eyes and I think she had guardian cats. So, uh, you think there was like, you'd go through and you try to just dodge her house, but you had to go through her backyard. Uh, and then you could get to this yard and into the woods. I think you could probably get into the woods through Miss Otis yard, but it's pretty overgrown. Where this one, you just get to walk on their nice grass, and then usually I think there was even a path that went into the woods from their house. And these woods, because were just like some woods that were just, I don't know who owned them. They weren't a park. They weren't that big. They were just big enough for kids, you know. I mean, just enough for me now to appreciate how lucky I was, you know, to have a little bit of woods. You know, not as good as the Goonies, but, but you know, the Goonies light experience. And I can remember one time to totally go off about the paper, paper route, but we, one time it was a hot day, I remember. And at some point during the Great Woods Exploration, and I don't know if I'd seen Stand By Me, but I'd gotten big into like, one day I'm going to be, uh, you know, like a Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer, Stand by me, ask, you know, getting into rivers and swamps and ponds, kid. And that was one of my dreams. And then there's this one really snowy, wet winter. And I spent a lot of time in those woods exploring or, you know, with friends doing, you know, f- f- hide and seek or revolutionary war. A lot of revolutionary war. My friends were big history buffs. Now my brother's a history teacher, so... And there was this giant old stone uh, wall in the middle of the woods. So at some point that was built like back, who knows, by, you know, when there were farms or just uh, one or two properties. And on the far side of the woods were these steep hills where the other houses were up the hill, uh, which were also on my paper route, but, it, you know, it didn't go through the woods. But so after this one really snowy winter, there was a pond uh, behind this one woman's house. I don't know who the woman was. And I discovered it, and it had to be a wet winter and then a hot day. So finally one day I said to me, I said, you know, I got to get it. And I think one or two times me and my brother Carl did get in there like knee deep. But this was like this really hot day, and we were walking home from school, me and my sister Sheila and my brother Carl. And I don't know what grades we were in. Let's say they were in third grade and I was in fifth or second grade and fourth or, God forbid, sixth and fourth. Uh, but but it was hot, and I, they said, oh, it's so hot. And I said, well, there's that. I said, me and Carl discovered this pond, but we should go back and go swimming in the pond. And it was not a good idea. Like, I think there was definitely barbed wire. There was, like, an old barbed wire fence in there or, like, that, you know. I remember that. None of us got cut. I mean, it was not a place any sane person would ever swim in, but I guess a kid would, you know, and it wasn't really swimmable. And I I can't believe that our fear, because it wasn't like it was clear, 
but I guess because it wasn't always there, there was something mystical about it. You know, it was just this one winter where it was full enough to, to get in and swim. And it was good. It had a bunch of logs in there. Uh, but I said to them, I said, let's go swim. And they said, well, in what? I said, well, we'll just go in our underwear, you know. So it's real. And I mean, this is like, uh, it was scandalous, I guess, because my sister, she was like, okay. So I don't know if she had a T-shirt on or not, or if it was like three, the three of us stopless in our underwear just swimming in there, like, you know, a couple of kids, three kids covered in, and we didn't come home from school, uh, which I don't think was a recent panic. But uh, we started, we were swimming in there, and we were hooting and hollering. I mean, I remember I was having the time of my life. We were hooting and hollering. And I'm sure even my sister's was probably one of the brief times she experienced joy before, you know, snuffed out by all her brothers. And my brother Carl, we're, and I was hoping we'd get covered in leeches. We did not have any leeches. We got a lot of, we had a lot of uh, leaves on us. Uh, but I guess our hooting and hollering brought the attention of the, whoever lived in that house. And they found it shameful that a little girl was swimming. And, two, you know, three children were half naked in their uh, retention pond or whatever. And, I mean, this was in the woods behind their house. It wasn't. I mean, I'm sure the hooting and hollering, they heard it, but it would, they had to be investigated. And I don't even remember seeing, I mean, maybe she yelled at us and I said, uh, come in and get us. You know, I don't remember. Uh, so I think our mom showed up at some point, probably with, all, probably with a baby and two little kids screaming. Or maybe the woman just told on us and said, you need to go home to your mother. Um... Or something, because it didn't go well after that. There was consequences, and we never. I, I think I swam in the, the the pond again, but my you know my sister definitely got in the most trouble. I don't know. I mean, I guess geez, no one could see us. We're in the pond, you know. But so that was fun, and so that was that house. So that I don't. I guess to to, to go back to the paper route, those people were definitely not on the paper route. Uh, so then if we continue back up Westwood Road, then, oh, oh boy, I forgot about these trees. I don't think we will get to the paper route. So the other thing about these trees, like I said, it was a good place to hide your book bags if you're going to go swim in the swamp or the pond or go in the woods or just hide out or a bathroom emergency, like on the way home from school or... Uh, if you found something in the woods of adult nature, because uh, back before the internet, you had to find like a magazine if you wanted to see adult bodies. I guess it would be the the thing, the best way I could allude to it. And I think enough comedians have done enough stuff about this uh, that were born before the internet. But you say, geez, every once in a while, you just find stuff like that in the woods. Guys would. I don't know what the female equivalent is, but I'm not kidding. Every once in a while, you'd be in the woods with your friends, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. You'd see a magazine tucked under a rock. You'd move the rocks, and you'd say, what? Oh, holy moly. And so at some point, I had just, I think I had made a few discoveries like that, and then maybe I had gotten some stuff from a neighbor uh, and I stashed it all under that tr- that tree, and I buried it with leaves and 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 rocks. And that was a place, you know, my friends knew uh, that that's where I kept the. the uh, I guess I maybe made a stop there on my paper. I probably that's what it was. 
So, I mean, nothing. It's just just budding sexuality. Let's be honest and and curiosity. So that was another thing that went on the tree. Just viewing, you know, nothing else. We were young, and I think only I kept it pretty down low. I don't know if I told my brother Carl about it because then his friends would have found out about it. But a few of my friends knew. But that was my hiding, you know, hiding spot. Uh, for that stuff, and maybe some kid, you know, passed on. But I think we got, we definitely got busted at some point. But yeah, I can remember the smell sitting under that tree of, you know, mildewy paper and leaves and pine and stuff. Good times. And then, so then it was Mrs. Otis's house. She got the paper. I don't think she liked me because I spread a lot of rumor. You know, I was always hoping to live on a street with a witch. Unfortunately. If you're not a witch and you live on your my street, or you know an e- you know an evil person, you know I might use my imagination to make you into that character, and then believe it. So that can, you know, so she didn't like me for good because I th- I said, well, you must be the evil witch on the street. Uh, so she got the paper. It can't, and remember, she was nice. I think she was one of those people that was had a lot of butterscotch candy. You know, I don't really remember much about her. My dad was friends with her, and he kept a good eye on her. But uh, that's about all I remember about it. But she had a white house. It had, like, a a nice opening to her house, like a little uh, triangular entrance, uh, almost like you were going into, a, like, a steeple or a church or something. Uh, the next house after that was the Moore's house. They were probably... Uh, a paper subscriber, and they were our next-door neighbors, uh, and they were good people. I always remember the Moors, and that's a whole nother tons of stories. Then was my my parents' house on the corner of Westwood and some other street. Uh, I can't think of right now. Alton, maybe? I don't know. And so there's my parents' house. Now, across the street, like I said, I don't think there was very many paper uh, subscribers uh, that stuck with me through, you know, but so then you'd get to the top of the hill. You took a left. That was like a cul-de-sac. You know, not a cul-de-sac, just dead ended. There was like one or two houses. Maybe one of those houses had a paper subscription. And then there was a couple houses uh, straight up to the top of the hill. Maybe had it. Then there was a people that lived straight across the street from my parents on this other street. I think Alton maybe was the name of that street but they had this beautiful uh, house built in the hill against their own set of woods but we won't get into those woods they're a different a different beast entirely uh but that guy there was a guy and a probably husband and wife there and he would uh, and i feel terrible about this i guess they have an immense to make but he would prepay for the paper i maybe even talked about this and i think one time i tried to get him to prepay extra because I needed the money, so I apologized for that. Uh, but he caught me. He said, no, 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 I don't owe you that much. And then canceled the subscription, so it serves me right for being a little thief. Um, oh, man, that's one of those memories I just think is going to pull me under one day. But, you know, I guess, I don't, I don't know. Um, you live and you learn. But he was a nice man. I try, probably tried to, to, to pull one over on him. And he pulled one over on me. 
so that was his house. Then the next house after that was uh, can picture it. They definitely got the paper because uh, they can remember being in their yard a few times. Uh, I don't know what I think because they had like this these steps up and then these giant hedges. So when you went in their yard, it was a tiny yard, but you were surrounded by like ten foot hedges on all sides, so it could be a little claustrophobic. Uh, so I can remember just doing thinking in, in in their yard, and they were never around. I don't remember seeing a lot of those people. And the next house was like a nice neighbor who had a couple of kids that were a few years older than me. They were real nice. They were uh, the mom. She was always cheery. Uh, across the street was like uh, my aunt and uncle for a while. Before that was a guy. Uh, and then I don't really know that. And there was another house that probably did subscribe to the paper, but, you know, boring people or something. A couple more houses. Then the BB Kids house, uh, which are kids that live in legend in my childhood, as they tried to structure my childhood like the movies that I saw. So I decided the kids that live there, I think I made up a story about them. They were the BB Kids. And what they did was they... uh cause trouble for littler kids uh, via BBs. I don't think any of that was very true, uh, though I probably told a lot of tall tales about, you know, just escaping their grasps, you know, and being, ta- you know, the different... I don't know who I spun those tales. who probably didn't go well for the BB kids, I'll tell you that much. But they were always, you know... I don't know if they actually did cause me any trouble, but in my, you know, in the adventures... They played a major role in my childhood that didn't, you know, never existed. But in the woods it did. Like they would be sniping me with their babies in the woods. And then I would have to, that's why I was so late, Mom. That's why we had to swim in the pond. We were under assault from the baby kids, a flurry of a hail of babies. And I had to save Carl and Sheila's lives, Mom. You know, you don't understand why you're crying uh, so that was that. So then the BB kids, a couple more houses, nothing of import. Another street with a left, another big hill. I think that street's called Rock something. Pretty, pretty no major memories on there. Nothing, nothing that's really stirring it up for me. And then you'd go right. I remember the house on the corner on the right was brown. That person was, I think that might have been... Uh, catching the name Purdy, P-U-R-D-Y. I don't know if that was the Purdy's house. That's a good name to say. And they were really nice. Uh, oh, wait, a flashback. Well, let's go through the rest of the wrecks. We're almost done. Then there's a couple of really nice fancy houses on this next street, like these brick, uh, very large houses. I think my cousin lives in one now. And they were nice. I think one of them was a dentist or orthodontist, and they were they got the paper. They were nice. And then there was a couple other really cool houses. Like there was this one ultra modern house down towards the end of my route, which kind of bended around to this other street and then ended, and and someone else's territory began. Uh, but if we go back to, like, across the street from the Purdy's to the left, like if you were to at the Purdy's house on the corner, you look to the left. 
kind of across from the BB's house as kids, there was this strange house, and not strange in a weird, like, just like this house I really liked. And there was an older woman there that lived there for a while. She got the paper. She was very nice. She would give me treats sometimes. It wasn't a big house, and I wish I could do it just as it was almost like it had a house with, like, a commercial element, but, but it didn't actually. Like, it had a circular driveway, but it didn't seem like a house that was designed for a lot of traffic. But I think it had, like, a, a driveway and a circular driveway, which when you're a kid— that's the kind of stuff you see in movies. So then you're like, man, there's something cool about this, that this driveway you can drive in a circle and then exit. And then I can remember, you know, I, of course, I did a lot of looking in windows and testing doors and stuff. And I remember her house because she, she, she didn't live in the whole house, I don't think. It almost looked like there was a commercial kitchen on the ground floor, like probably like a bar in a commercial kitchen, and that was totally unused. And I always wanted to adventure. I don't think I ever got in that house, but I always wanted to adventure there. And then her house was also another, her house was the access point for the next set of woods. I don't ever remember her causing any trouble, but she probably, I mean, all, I'm slowly learning that all my neighbors had my mom's phone number uh, to directly call her. Uh, you know, to tell, to, I guess to tell them, you know, I guess that was a dynamic in the neighborhood. So that's that. Um, and I guess kind of close out was just a little Andy. Now, very little. Sometimes I would have a, on Sundays, I would have a wagon that I would pull with the Sunday paper because the Sunday paper was so big and heavy. And I would pull it if the weather was really rainy or bad. Sometimes my dad would drive me and my dad had this like, unbelievably rusted out a suzu it was turquoise blue it was bare it barely held together and it was like a four-cylinder engine and my dad loved this car and now as an adult i can appreciate it at the time i was always humiliated because the car was like falling apart backfiring making all sorts of noise i think it was an isuzu and it was like it looked like it got taken out of East Germany, uh, dropped in a river, pulled back out, and then painted partially turquoise. But now you can see my dad was very he didn't want to spend a lot of money. He was trying to save money and make do with these kids he had. So now I can respect it. At the time, I you know my ego was like, oh, dad, you're trying to, you know, crimp my game or something. You know, why can't you just have a sweet car? And now I see now now I'm just like my dad. I'm like, why would you have? I don't have a car. People are always like, why don't you have a car? And I said, well, I don't. I don't really need one. As I'd be pretty sweet if I did, but I can't really afford it. If I did have it, would I? So now, I mean, that's a life lesson I can appreciate now. Thank you, Dad. But so yeah, I could be pulling my wagon or dropping off papers. You know, ideally you'd put it in the mailbox, but most people like to have it delivered straight to their. Uh, well, actually, a lot of people got it in their mailbox, which would save me time. But not everybody. A lot of people wanted it in their door, which I could understand as well. Or inside their foyer, if they had a foyer or foyer, you know, they'd want it in there. Yeah, but that's it. That was a little... I thought this was going to be about delivering the newspaper, but I guess it was not. Thanks. All right, over on YouTube, I want to thank Rebecca R., uh, Dan G., 
uh, Pranked D, Hallie L, uh, Trissy C, Sean D, or a long term, a long time YouTube listener, Sean D, uh, Big Fish L, did not like the podcast, uh, Barney G, they, uh, oh no, Barney G didn't like it. Oh no, back to back dislikes. Uh, Big Fish and Barney. Uh, but then we follow, follow that with Sean D. Uh, second person to quote this quote, whatever you're doing with your blowhole, it looks insulting. And that's the point. I mean, that's the truth. When, you, when you're, I don't know, I wish I would have learned it from Drake, not getting into feuds with porpoises, but I didn't. Uh, Brian V., uh, Holly S., yes, thank you and good night. Oh, no world, thank you and good night. Uh, Kathy M., thank you and good night. HD Man, thank you and good night. Aaron N., thank you and good night. And Gab's Love, thank you and good night. All right, over on uh, Patreon, I want to thank our patrons Claire D., uh, Gisela, uh, Jacqueline H., Ashley C., thank you and good night. Uh, Gary W., thank you and good night. Uh, Lisa E., thank you and good night. Emily P., thank you and good night. Miranda J., thank you and good night. Dallas J., thank you and good night. Uh, Anna S., thank you and good night. Debbie P., thank you and good night. Christine S., thank you and good night. Season H., thank you and good night. Tamira uh, M., thank you and good night. Zach F., thank you and good night. Eric Z., buddy, thank you and good night. Thank you. Uh, Suzanne M., thank you and good night. Uh, I want to thank Neil uh, with this. Uh, I think it's the Gaelic spelling of Neil. Neil. I think it's, an, I always want to say Neil, but this is Neil. Uh, which, you know, I've been, been messing up names, you know, either way. Normal. Uh, anyway, thank you and good night. Uh, Sue, Sue G., thank you and good night. Corey C., thank you and good night. Matt S., thank you and good night. Pam S., thank you and good night. Uh, Suzette M., thank you and good night. Kevin W., thank you and good night. Uh, Katie M., thank you and good night. Sky M., thank you and good night. Just Justin, thank you and good night. Uh, Dylan W., thank you and good night. Iso R., thank you and good night. Sarah G., thank you and good night. Trevor B., Thank you and good night. Jen C. Thank you and good night. Eileen M. Thank you and good night. Alan. Uh, just Alan. Thank you and good night. Uh, Jean L. Thank you and good night. Heather R. Thank you and good night. Uh, Susan T. Thank you and good night. Isaac G. Thank you and good night. Uh, Ross P., thank you and good night. Anna, thank you and good night. Kelly Z., thank you and good night. Jessica S., thank you and good night. All right, over on PayPal, I want to thank our donators. A. Grant, thank you very much. Brittany B., thank you very much. Kathy B., thank you very much. Andrew N., thank you so much and good night. Kathy S., thank you so much and good night. Steve P., thank you and good night. Uh, Allison H., thank you and good night. Amy G., thank you and good night. Enid uh, G., thank you and good night. Kit K., thank you and good night. And William S., thank you and good night. And over on iTunes, I want to thank uh, Christina, 
FH, who says, unusual concept that doesn't make any sense. Five stars, though. And that's what seems to work. A narrator's voice is monotonous and rambling. Just the right speed for your brain to latch on. Thank you. And then Emrez420. Uh, good old Emrez. Uh, 420 and Rezes. That's a, like a reservoir. That's what we'd call it. Those probably go great together. Probably. Uh, so great. Uh, five or four or five exclamation points. This podcast helped me get the best sleep in years. Scooter's entertaining yet not. Soothing delivery. Disconnected stories. Just entertaining enough, but don't fully engage you. Grace is a safe place where you can drift off. Thank you, Emrez. And that's it. Thank you and good night. Yeah, I want to say thank you to Florence. Thank you to, and good night to Lori. Thank you and good night to Spencer B. Be like Babs. Thank you and good night. Elias, uh, thank you and good night. Uh, Gisela, thank you and good night. SPK, who loves the USA, thank you and good night. Uh, Amy Noel, uh, yeah, that hope of destruction protocol was activated. I think uh, the day I left the womb. Uh, Caroline, thank you and good night. Lori H, thank you. Uh, Laura H, thank you and good night. Harrison L, thank you and good night. Uh, Billy D, thank you and good night. Uh, Preston, thank you and good night. Illusionoid Podcast, thank you and good night. Uh, Dystopian, thank you and good night. Uh, Hoverboard Malaysia, thank you and good night. Uh, Carrie with a K, thank you and good night. Former librarian. Uh, Bugs, not funny, thank you and good night. Uh, too bad about your neighbors. They sound terrible. Nikki H, thank you and good night. Brittany G, thank you and good night. Erica with a K, thank you and good night. Uh, Cameron M, thank you and good night. Uh, Laura, thank you and good night. Nikki R, thank you and good night. Evelyn H, thank you and good night. Vesna, thank you and good night. Chevy, thank you and good night. Chantel, thank you and good night. Uh, Nora N, Nora N, thank you and good night. Uh, Mary, thank you and good night. Uh, Fiona, thank you and good night. Uh, Sherilyn, thank you and good night. Laura uh, G, thank you and good night. Crystal, thank you and good night. Jillian, thank you and good night. Justin, thank you and good night. Anna, thank you and good night. Anya, thank you and good night. And that's it. Thank you and good night.